I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in one I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. Yes, here we are once again to dive into a film, untangle all those big themes and share our thoughts and feelings with you and the wider world. And when I say us, of course, it's not just me here rambling, but it's my good friend, the man who knows all things about films and has a plethora of insights on the world. It is, of course, my film companion. It's Callum. How are you doing today, Callum? I'm very well. Good evening, in fact. Good evening. We're having a nice little evening record tonight. You know, we've been going through the week, having nice days, weathering the literal storms that have been going on, and now we're going to cook up a filmic storm through the discussion that we have now. <laughs> how, how have you been uh, riding out the weather, Callum? Yeah, not bad, actually. Yeah, How's it I've, hit um... London? That's the question. Has it been bad in London? As obviously up north here, it's been like the wilderness. It's been, it is quite cold. It's been quite cold down here. Five minus figures, you know, one, two degrees. It's been quite warm the last couple of days, though, and it was raining. It got raining the other day. Um, no snow, though. I understand there was snow north of the wall, as oh, it yeah, were. Of course. Um, of course. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, southerners they're having they, to put the log fires on. Oh, they're they're always moaning about how cold it is, and it's you know a reasonable temperature. So, um, when it's been two three degrees, I've felt like it's you know oh I'm at home, it's tropical. You're walking um, around in a t-shirt. I was wearing a t-shirt at work today, and um, people were like, "Oh my god, it's so cold! What are you doing?" And I was like, "It's really not. It's like a sauna in here. You got the radiators turned up to full blast." Um, I I, I actually went outside with my t-shirt on just to get some fresh air. Um, it's unbelievably stuffy. Um, anyway, northern, exactly. You know, we're, we're sort of leathered skin. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, how have your cultural meanderings been going over the last week? Obviously, we picked up last week about your Curzon membership. Have you been attending any other Curzons since and um, enjoying that experience? Yeah, I went to. Um, I've, you know, it's been quite nice actually. I've been going to the cinema on a Saturday morning. Um, because I'm trying to lay off the source a little bit and um, booking a cinema screening for Saturday morning has made me be a little bit more sensible on a Friday evening. And also, you know, you want to feel awake when you're watching a new film. So um, it's been quite nice. And no one goes to the cinema on a Saturday morning as well. So I've had the screen pretty much to myself. And then I Oh, have you? What, can... what kind of times we're talking? There's a bit of insight here for the listeners. Optimum time to get an empty screen. So I went to the Curzon in Hoxton um, last Saturday at 11 o'clock um, and I was the only person in the screening and it was about a sort of 100 cap screen. It was fantastic. Um, it's always really, an interesting yeah. feeling that, isn't it? Having a whole cinema screen to yourself. It's really peaceful. It was really, really <laughs> yeah. peaceful. Um, and then I went and got a, co- a coffee afterwards, went for a big walk. Um, uh the other week, I went to the Curzon in Camden, and it's under, I think I said this in the last episode, actually, it's under railway arches, um, mm-hmm. and that's quite nice. And I went for a big walk around Primrose Hill, St. John's Woods. I'm working Film, coffee and a walk, it's a, it's yeah. a great trio, that, isn't it? It is. You know, I'm working on myself at the moment, Marcus. Um, <laughs> well, so, it's yeah, January. It was, 
It was good, but I did. I tell you what, I did go to. I went to um, the recording studio where Green Day recorded their latest album, Saviors. Okay, um, that is a cultural meandering. Yeah, I went. I went and saw it out, and it's called Rack Studios. Um, and I mean, I didn't go inside. I just stood outside, um, took a picture of it, and then left. But um, it's the it's the pilgrimage to see see where you your 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 favorite band recorded their new album which is out now by the way streaming on all services how are you finding it oh, it's, i mean it's it's a it's a green day record it's it sounds you know three chords pop punk it's it's what i'm here for man it's what i'm here for it's okay, good I'm, it's really good i'm slowly uh introducing it myself into it as i absolutely like the work of green day by no means as much of a uh a fan as as you but i had a little dabble just before we started recording this on the first few tracks of it and, and i'm liking it pop punk and it can take you to a place that no other music can it can yeah there's um i just i just it's been produced by rob cavallo who produced his other the, the couple of their other records that i really enjoyed i think he was on the american idiot record um which obviously is you know a key record most people who have heard of green day will know for that record i feel like i'm selling them right now well, <laughs> like, sell away sell away um, as a super fan that's your job uh, yeah yeah true um i think they're misunderstood sometimes people just think it's america it's all about american idiot but it's really not although they are playing that album in its entirety on the when i'm going to see them at wembley that is quite summer. exciting though it is exciting yeah because i mean yeah, it'll be like I'm in year year eleven again. Um, yeah, be good. I love "Give Me Novocaine" on the album. That's yeah, that's, that's a good song. That's yeah, the vaccines got a new album out. They have actually. Yeah, um, I haven't listened to it though. Yeah, I um, just heard a track the other day, um, and had a little look, and it. I was like, is that, is that a new album? But yeah, I've not dived in, but that's definitely on the hit list. If um, yeah, that's out now. I know they were doing a album signing or something at rough trade east in brick line brick lane i think a few weeks ago well that all a line um, if you're on the promo tour can you think the album's out there and ready to go that can be our yeah. pre-cultural discussion for next week let's have a little listen to the vaccines album and see what that's got to offer but that's enough of that we're on film calendar of course we're on film it's a class a film club and we've got another big film to review today we're surging through january award season Big new releases. We can't keep ourselves away from the cinema. We're bloody loving it. But what film have we got today, Callum? And can you tell us a bit about it, please? Uh, we went to watch the new Yorgos Lanthimos uh, film, uh, Poor Things, uh, written by Tony McNamara, uh, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, uh, Willem Dafoe, uh, Rami Youssef, Christopher Abbott, and Gerard Carmichael. What a cast. Um... So it's kind of an absurdist sort of comedy in a way. Um, it's a focuses on this young woman called Bella Baxter, who's played by Emma Stone, and she's living in this sort of it's Victorian London, but it's um, a fantasy, which is interesting in itself. Actually, when we look at the past, the past is a fantasy. But we'll get onto that later. Anyway, I, I digress. I feel a certain um, Walter Benjamin quote coming in at some point. <laughs> It's not to do with telescopes, I promise. Um, <laughs> but uh, for the hardcore listeners, um, that'll that'll make that'll probably make you laugh. For those who are listening to us for the, maybe the first or second time, um, 
that'll probably mean nothing to you. Anyway, um, we watched um, Poor Things, um, set in Victorian London. Basically, Emma Stone plays this woman called Bella Baxter who jumps off um, a bridge and she obviously dies. She's rescued by this um, experimental scientist who's played by Willem Dafoe and um, he basically saves she's pregnant and she saves he basically takes the bra- the baby's brain and puts the baby's brain in her and then brings her back to life with electric shock treatment um and then it follows her sort of coming of age with an adolescent mind as she's in a fully grown female body so it's kind of a comment on coming of age but at the same time a, pro- a comment on um fantasy and the idea of the self in some respects um i felt like i should have been on drugs watching it or i felt like i was it's it's bizarre um and it follows her life really her coming of age understanding where she's from her origin as well um and the film focuses largely on looking at how she comes of age looking at contemporary ideas of modern day slave contemporary ideas of slavery contemporary ideas of wealth the wealth divide um art um sexuality um being in the being and how that and how you discover yourself in a in a world that seems absurd um off mic i described it as an absurdist comment on the zeitgeist i think that sums it up really Lovely. Um, an absurdist comment on the zeitgeist. I'm proud of that one. I really I think am. that's a great yeah. new catchphrase to bang on to. I think it's a wonderful description of the film, but also something that might uh, serve you well in the future. Well, The Guardian's got nothing. I'm, the, you know, Peter Bradshaw didn't come up with that. I did. So you heard it here first. Anyway, <laughs> that, original. That, absolutely. That's poor things. There we go. Lovely. Thank you once again, Callum, for a delightful overview. Poor things, yeah, initial reaction. I thought it was a visual delight. I love the world that was created there, the colours, the eccentricity of it, the fantasy elements. For example, when they're in Lisbon, the whole world that they create there, it's grounded in some kind of reality in how these areas are built, but there's a phantasmagorical setup, which I just think was wonderful. And ever since I saw the trailer... And I saw the wackiness and wonderfulness and all the colour and features of it. I knew it was going to be up my street, as well as the the concept of it. And I absolutely do think it delivered on what it on what it did. It's great to see a big mainstream film having the bravery and conviction to do something a bit out there, but not just doing it for the sake of it, doing it to push different themes and areas and doing it well. I thought there is there is a lot to go at, and we'll get onto that. But those themes that you touched upon, then Callum, are all explored through the lens of and the development of the character of Bella. And I think she's the really important vehicle in this because, as you say, we explore the modern world and all the themes surrounding that through this. Um, developing mind of a woman who's there got a child's brain put in 
inside her and then the rate the rate that develops and then concepts what happens when those two things are smashed together great concept but it allows then this fresh insights into different themes and and philosophical areas like that so i mean straight away love those visuals i just loved being in that world and where it took me to but i think it allows exploration of different areas which i'll go into a bit more but i think it does do that well and absolutely a great performance from emma stone to give be given that task of you've got to slowly but then rapidly develop from a child into a fully grown woman while still engaging with the same characters and doing this that and the other and i think she did it superbly and it was a joy to watch on that front callum what was your initial reaction to all of those and more um i mean i've never seen anything like it before um which again i i thought was a, a key you know power the power was that was the power of the movie um, the first 20, 30 minutes I was watching it, I'm like, what am I watching here? I mean, it, it's it so surreal. It take a bit surreal. to latch into what was going on, because I was like, have I missed something here? Like, it does take you a bit to get going, and purposely does so, and the surreal element. But yeah, I, I align with that. Yeah, it was just like, I feel like, I, I did actually, I actually said to myself as I was watching it, I was like, I feel like I'm on drugs. Because <laughs> like, seeing, you know, a, 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 a chicken with a pit bull's head, <laughs> stitched yeah. onto it and yeah and then see you know and the sort of the the horse that hook and cart that doesn't have a horse but has a horse's head attached to the front of the of the, of the carriage um that's but it's powered by um a machine um sort of steampunky almost um the thing that i realized as the as the film was progressing i think it's a really interesting comment on um uh, I'm going to say it again. It's an interesting, it's an absurdist comment on the zeitgeist, um, because it is. I mean, it you know, it, it, Bella Baxter tries to sort of understand who she is and how she could and um, and and where she, her origin and her being and you know she wants to figure out who she is and what her body can do basically and you know where she wants to go, um, and she's faced with all these new challenges and all these new things that she doesn't really understand but she's curious about it because of course she has an adolescent mind um and i think it's a really uh, interesting comment on um how one understands the world um you know children are meant to be curious culturally speaking um or as an adult when you're an adult you're sort of you're supposed to be this fully formed being almost but actually it's kind of saying well no um, everyone is constantly searching or constantly under trying to understand who they are, and sh- they should. People should be curious about things. Um, and you know, she goes through. Um, you know, she has. She goes through a sort of sexual liberation, sexual identity, but then she is moved to tears when she sees the suffering um, in the world through sort of modern through, through slavery that she sees, and incredible amounts of wealth and rich and poor and it highlights the corruption within that as well and um but it highlights all these things and takes it to an abstract place because i think you know the contemporary the times in which we live are very abstract everything's very weird everything's very strange and i think what this film does is that it it comments on that in a quite a refreshing way because i've never seen i've never seen a movie like that before and the way that it does that 
Um, I don't think it was overly. It was. It wasn't intentionally trying to make a um, sort of a, a strong political stance on the on the, on the contemporary. I think it was just kind of saying, you know, the world is strange. Let's let's explore the strangeness and the surreal and the absurd of everyday life through this concept of having a child's brain transplanted into into an into a, a woman's body. Um, I think it's the fact that it's set in in a Victorian age as well. I think is really, really interesting and really sort of um, prophetic because um, the Victorian age in the nineteenth century there was this people were constantly trying to understand the place in the world. You know, the discovery of fossils in particular. You know, the discovery that there is no afterlife. The fact that humans as well were under, were going through a you know an understanding of okay who are if we if there is no afterlife who are we as people. There was loads of literature and um, things produced in the nineteenth century about those themes. So, um, I think it, I think it's really, really fascinating film actually. And Mark Ruffalo, who plays the um, the sort of the the prancing English gentleman, I think is hilarious. Out, out dandy. Um, yeah, yeah, it's so funny, and the he captures the hyperbolic posh English person so well and obviously that being juxtaposed with sort of Emma Stone's incredible performance I think it's um yeah it's the absurdity and the sur- and the surrealness of it struck out to me I think yeah but it is funny as well isn't it it is really funny and yeah. I think absolutely <clears throat> Mark Ruffalo's character is the epitome of that it's this overly embellished exaggerated British gent um Lothario of the age, but there's there's just good comedy in it as well of his over eloquent use of language and his um hyperbolic movements as well like <laughs> it's almost like an actor in a silent film at some point some of the facial mm. expressions and yeah. like his over dramatized um outlays of emotion which are just really funny how it, it slaps against the rest of the film and then in the fantasy fantasy. Uh, set up as well but the comedy in it I think really needs to be noted because I did find it very funny yeah but I want to build on what you said Callum because when you said you don't think that the uh, filmmakers making a political statement I don't think they're making a political statement but I do think there are statements and intents within that I don't think it's necessarily just look at the world how mad it is go and go and explore these themes I do think there is a, a through line and you hear a bit of the voice of the filmmaker there and what i mean by that is that i think that innocence is used as an overriding or uh, a consistent vehicle throughout to explore these themes and that innocence is displayed through bella of course the innocence of the child the adolescent but in the fully grown woman's body and what is the surface level of that the innocence of not knowing anything about the world and the innocence of discovery and not knowing about all um, oppression and, and bad things that could happen to her and the rest of the world. And what we get from that are we get the humour, but also we get the intriguing notion of her asking the questions that the questions that children might ask, but in a more sophisticated adult-like setting. So then that questions these big themes like patriarchy, there's yeah. the control of women all the way through it. The God, 
which is a nice use of the terminology in it. It was quite obvious, but his literal control, he's given her life, but then when then she goes off on her love affair and the control that wants to be put on her by him, but then the uh, scientific assistant who then, even though he was come across as a bit of a, a softer character and not as harmful, he still wants to control her in the way of marrying her and, and tying her down. And there's all sorts of patriarchal control through it, but we see that then countered through the innocence of asking um, what would be deemed as naive questions, because that's what we get from innocence, is a naive questioning, but questions that wouldn't be asked in a day-to-day life, because we are already entrenched with certain beliefs. We also get in there um, through the innocence, obviously the sexual exploration, I think that's really clear through the film, obviously it's very boldly done, maybe to excess at points, but I think it's done tastefully, and I think there's a point to it, but that's quite clear how that the innocent explores the sexual um, exploration of Bella and everything to do with that. But then um, learning and nature versus nurture, the old classic on that, and that's a big philosophical exploration in Frankenstein, which is obviously like the core text that this is inspired from, this idea of nature versus nurture and the whole morality around learning and moulding people and those elements. But that is looked at through the innocence of Bella and, and the intent of the other figures in it. And why I say I think the filmmaker does give a certain intent, because I think that Bella's character is shown to be liberated through her innocence, whereas the other characters, even though it does have quite a nice ending to it, the other characters are seen, the male characters are seen as controlling and entrenched in their um, views in the world, even though they are the people who are at the cusp of their society within the world that this film is set and what i like that that does through all of the innocence is that it allows us to then question our thoughts feelings and views because it puts forward this idea of what is innocence innocence isn't necessarily a term that we we discuss all that much innocence seems quite obvious and clear what does it mean it means someone who doesn't know much about the world normally the bad things and is unaware about them we say innocence is mainly for the young but we see this as a a grown-up person being innocent and it almost has a negative connotation of should innocence um means that you are unaware of dangers but in this there is a positive spin on it as Bella discovers the joys of life without being jaded. And I think it plays in this balance of should we all allow ourselves to be more innocent and enjoy the simplicity and the the beautifulness of life? Or does the flip of that occur when she does see these horrible things like inequality and realises she's being controlled and sexual exploitation? And then she is then wise to that and we see her having more self-control and liberation later on in the film i don't think it gives a definitive answer and i don't think it is trying to because it explores that back and forth but i definitely think it is trying to push towards this idea of embracing life questioning things more but via the the lens of innocence and i think it's very clever i think it's very effectively done 
And I like how it does that, covering a lot of themes while skewing you off in a certain direction, but doing it in quite an unconventional and fresh way. But what about those themes, Callan? Like what I've said there is the idea of patriarchy. We've got the idea of learning and the tradition of nature versus nurture, which is an old philosophical and, and scientific debate. And we've also got those ideas in there of um, the sexual exploration. What is there was anything that stood out to you of those? Because obviously, it's a lot of big themes to go at, but it did feel like it was grounded in a an old um, philosophy that's probably explored in that kind of like Enlightenment period. Um, I mean, I think the main sort of through line through all those themes is the concept of agency. Um, she's yeah. just yeah, you know, she's discovering and her agency, what that looks like in practice, and how that agency is intellectualized as well. Um, I mean, there's that quite nice scene where she's reading on the deck of the ship and Mark Ruffalo um, throws the book into the sea and then... Brilliant. Yeah, the, brilliant the, scene. Yeah, and then the then the woman who she sat with gives her a, a copy of the same book and then he throws that in the sea as well. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, you know, I think that's quite a nice way to sort of evidence that. It's like the intellectual sort of reasoning behind her agency a little bit. I mean... Again, the fact that she has a child's mind, an adolescent mind, it's a nice little literary um, device that's used, that has been used. I'm not, you know, saying it's a bad thing that it's used in this movie. I think it's quite a nice way to evidence that idea of discovering one's agency. Um, uh, you know, Walter Benjamin, German philosopher. I'm not going to say the telescope quote because that's not <laughs> relevant here, but his Berlin childhood around 1900 is comments on similar things. This idea of how in order to understand the past, in order to understand who you are and what you're becoming, um, childhood is a good way to, as a, as a good origin point. It's a good starting point. Not when you're just born. Um, it's when you can, when you're, when you know what's going on, but you're not necessarily sure why. And that's what, um, Bella's character is all about. She can see what's going on, but she doesn't know why. Um, and it gives the agency is the thing that that dis, that destroys her. Well, doesn't it? Doesn't destroy the patriarchy, but it's it 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 destroys her immediate um, her immediate oppressions. Um, the agency is everything to her. That's the that's the thing that drives the character, um, and I think it's quite a you know when the general, um, the person who she was originally married to, which is the person that drove her to suicide in the first place, I thought it was quite a really nice way of. Um, she still she goes even at her wedding she goes back oh I was married to you oh let's see what that was like there's still an element of that and you know the an audience would probably not forgive her for that but then when you understand the reason why she does it it's like oh okay it's the final completion of the circle um her sort of the discovery of her agency is coming to is coming full circle now um and of of course it's a really funny way to evidence the the sort of um the the lunacy and the absurdity of the patriarchy when um she has a lamb she cuts out a lamb's brain and puts it in her ex-husband's head and then her ex-husband is human form but has a lamb's brain and he's crawling around the floor eating leaves um which i think is quite a 
a really really funny way. It was a fun end to the film. It was fun, was yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, because it's oh, you're just you're just basically an animal, um, which I think is all again. It just come struck me now actually. I think Lanthimos is making a wider point here about um, how humans have innately animalistic ideas of life, animalistic qualities. I think, Um, and that's there's something there. I think it's not necessarily fully formed in my head what that something is, but I think there's certainly a comment to be made there about um, anthropomorphism or animalistic ideas about life and. Um, mm. something. There's something there. I'm not sure what though. Maybe that's the point of the film. Um, and what? But what about your thoughts, Callum? Because I mean, it's, you can't really shy away from this because it's one of the biggest through lines of the film. But like her mm. uh, sexual exploration throughout the film, and obviously there's a lot of scenes heavily focused on that. What do you think that adds to the film, and and why do you think that element is so important to the filmmaker? I mean, I think you know, sex and gender is you know. The, it's the two things that were quite, um, uh, you know, in 19th century society, um, sex was seen as um, to produce children, deeply religious society, that kind of sort of, um, and men had power over that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with a lot of the political conversations social conversations that have happened in the last 10 years i'm talking mainly mainly about me too in particular um exposing um sexual harassment and sexual power that is overwhelmingly um concentrated in amongst powerful men who have powerful positions in society i think the use of Sex is a way to try and destabilize that. Men don't have the power of sex in this film. Um, Bella does. It's her that she uses sex as a way to understand herself, and that sexual liberation is quite an important feminist um, narrative. There, I mean, I'm just speaking about the the feminist literature that I've read. I mean, Judith Butler, you know. Um, uh, I mean, the classic feminine mystique, I mean, that's all about sexual identity and the female eunuch even. That's all about sexual liberation. It's a key feminist idea that sexual liberation in the body is inherently linked with power and power play as well. Um, so I think the sex is important for the film because it highlights Bella Baxter's agency and her political power over men. The, the well, the power is expressed through sexual gratification. She's gratified by it, which is why she has power. Um, I think that's the point that the film's making. Um, I thought it was really intelligently done as well. Um, the temptation for this type of movie, film and the way that the sex is filmed—it's like it has a very, it has a potential to border on fetish, I think, um, and border on um, crassness and almost pornographic in a way um, for desire. But actually, I think it's more about um, using sex as a as a literary and artistic technique to demonstrate power play. Um, that would be my analysis of it. 
Thank you, Callum. And, and that was like a wonderful essay answer there. I feel <laughs> it was like a bit, I was wasn't interviewing it? you for your PhD. Um, <laughs> thank you for an- answering it so thoroughly. Um, yeah, and I, I totally align. I think there's some good points there. But let's get this wrapped up because, as we said, there's, there's loads of themes here, and we've touched upon all of them that we think stand out. And I think that is the point of the film that it's using this very unique concept of the situation with Bella to then explore a lot of areas that come because of that. And I think that works and I like how they do that. Um, and obviously it opens up to so much, always makes it very hard to tackle, but I feel like it does a pretty good job of it. And um, whilst creating this impressive visual world, but let's wrap up Callum. I'll, I'll start off by giving my uh, closing thoughts and my mark out of 10. But as I said at the beginning, I did really like it and just impressive that a film of such magnitude, such mainstream appeal <coughs> um, was so brave and bold to put out such wacky, funky visuals and, and concepts. And I like that. It's good to see a film out there being pushed, which is in the mainstream, but is exploring different areas and also didn't have a superhero flying around in it. So that was very satisfying. Yeah. I love the concepts. You know how much I can be won over by a premise alone and I think this is a great one ever since I saw the trailer last year I was very excited about it and I think it delivered all I would say is that I think that maybe it just went a bit too mad at points too much I'm always wanting to lean into more the exploration of these deeper theories and ideas and stuff which it laid out and obviously touched upon a lot of them but it really, really did steer into the sexual exploration side of things, which was very important and very relevant, but I feel it took up so much of the film that there's other areas it could have could have gone down. Not that it wasn't tastefully done and didn't work, I just feel there was, it opened up a lot of channels that could have been explored more, and that just left me kind of wanting more in those areas, but loved what it did. Visually, loved being in that world, and some of the the sets like in Lisbon and the Paris was fantastic um, and it was captivating throughout. So I'm going to give it 8 out of 10. What about you, Callum? I'm going to give it 9 out of 10, purely based on its absurdity and its surrealism. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, it's just I've never seen anything like it before. Um, mm-hmm. I, I Genuinely, it's it's so unique. I, mean, I haven't even seen any other of Lanthimos' movies either. Um, I'm definitely going to now. Um, the lobsters one that I've heard of I've never watched um, but that's meant to be Cracker yeah Dogtooth I've heard as well is supposed to be quite good Um, but it's just it's nothing like anything I've ever seen before and it was that absurdity and that surrealism is is what sort of drove me to it the only thing that I would say is that um, it took me a while to get into it which is why I'm giving it 9 out of 10 like yeah okay um, to quote uh one of uh, uh, one of the uh, doctors that we had at university who described my essay once as laboured and obscure, um, <laughs> which I think is a compliment, but I'm going to say that the first half an hour, 40 minutes of this movie was laboured and obscure, um, which is why I'm giving it 9 out of 10. But the obscurity is the thing that makes it, the film itself makes it great. And, you know, the themes and the, the sort of the... the the absurdist comment on the zeitgeist idea. <laughs> um, yeah, nine out of ten. 
why not? Fantastic, fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Callum. And once again, another wonderful in um, overview, chat, description of everything you threw out there. And now you've got yourself a new catchphrase, which I'm sure we'll be hearing in mm. plenty more episodes to come. <laughs> but yeah, that was Poor Things, another big film, another big release. And as we keep saying, we're going to be diving into those big films, ready for award season as we run through them. Plenty more in the cinema. And we've already lined up a nice little run for the next few reviews. But that's that for this time check out the back catalogue there's plenty to dive into plenty of conversation episodes there and of course all of the reviews we've got loads more coming up this year and some good guests lined up over the coming months so keep your eyes peeled for that but until next time that was another episode of the glass a film club podcast we'll see you all later <laughs>